Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bitch Bitchpedia Podcast. I am Dahlia, your host, and today I want to talk about mistakes. Now, I will tell you, the first mistake that I made was this morning after I finished my yoga session. I did my little meditation. I knew yesterday that I was going to record this podcast. I started making notes about it. I did my yoga, did my meditation, and in that moment, I should have, should have, come to the office, recorded this podcast because it was fresh on my mind, right? However, I didn't. I went and I journaled because that's usually my next step, right, is to journal. And there were some things that I was journaling about that obviously were on my mind, but they were not related to this podcast episode. So I, and I hesitated to even do it, but I had a really great breakthrough. I had a nice journaling session, but that's not the episode that I want to record today. So then I started thinking about it and was like, well, I, you know, now my brain's not on what I wanted to talk about to begin with. And I messed up, but that's funny because the entire episode of what I wanted to talk about today is mistakes. So the universe, I know I've, I I know I've talked about this before and I feel like if you listen to my podcast, you already have a sense of this, but the universe will communicate with you, right? It's always communicating with you. And the way that I receive communication from the universe is something will stand out to me. Maybe one time I'll see it, but the second time I see it, I'm paying attention. I'm taking note of it. And the common theme of this past week for me was mistakes. And I saw it on an episode actually with my son. He was watching it in the car and I was listening to it. And it was, it's a show called Pinky Malinky. From what I could tell, it's like a sausage in high school. It's an animated series. But the episode was about him having this eraser that he loved. And you know what happens with erasers when you use them a lot. They wear down and then they disappear, right? So he's had this eraser for like eight years. And he realizes that he's getting to the end. And if he makes another mistake, this eraser is going to be done. It's going to disappear and he'll lose it forever. So he's like, easy. I just won't make mistakes anymore. And the entire episode is about him Basically committing to his mistakes and not admitting that they're mistakes because if he admits it, he has to use the eraser and then it's gone forever. And I thought that was interesting because it's funny, the correlations that we make in things, if we make a mistake, we're going to lose this thing. That's a story we tell ourselves, right? And this is just one example, but It got me thinking about the feeling, like, what story am I telling myself surrounding mistakes? And it's all rooted in perfectionism, right? And perfectionism is just fear. It's the the thing that we do to try to control our fear because we think if we're perfect and we don't make mistakes, that we won't suffer or that we won't be opened to criticism. You know, we won't open ourselves up to criticism or hate you know we feel like if we're perfect then we will be loved and we will be accepted or whatever it is right so just examining your beliefs in mistakes or surrounding mistakes I think is a good place to start and that was just one example and in true form of the universe it keeps presenting to me the idea of mistakes through different things I saw an episode of Gilmore Girls because you know I just keep watching that forever and ever always And it's the episode where Lane 
touches a guy's hair and then she regrets it because she's like, what the fuck? What overcame me that I wanted to like run my fingers through this boy that she likes hair, right? And she's talking to Lorelai and Lorelai says, it's not about the mistake that you make. It's about what you do after it. And we know that, right? Like, it's not about the mistakes. It's about how you handle it. That is where your power lies. And the ability to correct mistakes is where you get your power. Now, one of the limiting beliefs that is coming up for me that I've just recognized, I wrote it down um, when I had the breakthrough. The limiting belief is I make things worse when I try to fix them. And it's so funny. I was talking about this with one of my friends. I went on a walk with her yesterday and I told her this. And I always think it's so empowering, by the way, to tell people your limiting beliefs because you can judge kind of how outrageous it is based on their reaction. You know what I'm saying? So when I said that and she's like, really? Like, that's a weird idea for you to even have and it's like it's just a reminder that our stories become so powerful but they really are just our own perspectives right they can have no basis in reality but they feel so real to us because we have programmed them inside of ourselves just over and over again we tell ourselves this story and I was thinking of an example when I did my um my clear aligners I had braces for like four and a half years and then I didn't wear my retainers, of course, because I was a shithead high schooler and my bottom teeth got messed up. So I went in 2020, I did Smile Direct and I wanted to fix my bottom teeth. So I did them and without going into too much detail, some there was an issue and it got messed up. I finished the whole process. I was like, after you get the six month retainer. So I have completed the process, but I was in so much pain. My teeth hurt so badly that I did not care. I took them out. I knew my teeth were going to shift back, but I did not care. I was like, this pain is unbearable. And so I took my retainers out and then my teeth were worse than they were before. And then in my mind, I was like, okay, so now I tried to fix something. I ended up making it worse. Now my teeth are worse and I'm out $2,000 or however much it costs, you know, a couple of thousand dollars. And I was mad at myself. And I think I really internalized that beyond just the self-consciousness of, you know, having straight teeth or whatever. It was this idea that Anytime you try to make things better, if you try to improve upon your life, you are just going to make it worse. And I think a lot of that too comes from having parents who didn't want me to make mistakes because they didn't want me to suffer. So I think a lot of times in my childhood and on into like teen and adult years, honestly, they probably overstepped and took away a lot of... um Maybe they thought they were taking away the burden or the pain or the suffering, but it's just like, you know, helicopter parents, you're, you're not really doing your kids any favors. Now, not to say they're helicopter parents, but I think they did. It came from a place of love, them trying to prevent me from suffering. So they, they handled a lot of things when it came to a crisis, even without me asking, because a lot of times I didn't even want their help, but I was so used to not having to handle things on my own, you know, that they would just swoop in and they would handle it. And that 
was to my detriment, honestly, honestly. And, you know, as a parent now, I'm getting like teary eyed for whatever reason. I don't even know. I'm like getting choked up because like as a parent now, I can see how difficult it is to watch your child suffer or struggle but sometimes you have to let them because that's how they learn that's how they grow so I know that it only came from a place of love but it ended up doing more harm than good because then when it came down to me having to handle things in the outside world as like a grown adult without my mommy and daddy I struggled You know, I didn't know how to handle things. I didn't know how to take care of it. And then I kind of crumbled under the pressure of having to deal with it. So I spent years of that transition between becoming a child to becoming an adult. And I think they would have helped me no matter what. Like, no matter how many times I fucked up, I think they were always, oh my God, why can't I stop crying? (laughs) Like, why? This is not an emotional thing. Okay, any time that I asked them for help, they would have helped. But it did me no good. So one day I had to stop. I had to grow up. And that was a hard realization for me, by the way. That it's like, hello, you cannot go to your parents anymore for help. You are, I mean, probably it was when I was like 30, 31 years old that I was like, it's time for me to take responsibility. And it's because I had that realization because I didn't want to be treated like a child. I didn't want to be treated like a fuck up. Right. And I hated that they had this and I don't even know if they really had it. But the story I was telling myself was they see me as a child, as someone that they have to uh, coddle or um, step in and handle things for. And I didn't like that. And then I had to be brutally honest with myself and say, well, why do you think they think that? Is it because they have had to bail you out? And we're not talking about big stuff here, but you know, when I had my car wreck and this was a couple of years ago, that probably, honestly, that's probably where it traces back to because I wrecked my car and then I didn't have the money to pay the, um, with the insurance, the deductible. And I didn't know what else to do. So I called them. Now there were probably other steps that I could have taken and the shame that I felt as a like 30 year old woman being like, mom, dad, I need help. But I do know that I was very fortunate, like fortunate enough to have that safety net. And also I guilt and shame myself so much for having that safety net because I'm like, other people don't have that, you know? So I took that as a moment of like, yes, I am really grateful, but it's time for me to grow up. And if I don't want to be treated like a kid who's a fuck up, who always needs them to step in and handle my problems, then I need to stop asking them to step in and handle my problems, right? So that was the shift that I made. But I felt like when I went to them, things got handled and things improved But when it came down to me, if I tried to make things better on my own, that I was making it worse. So, of course, I didn't want to handle things, right? I didn't want to save myself because in my mind, I make things worse. That's the limiting belief that I kept telling myself. I make things worse when I try to fix them. So, it prevented me from trying to correct my mistakes. And it's like the 
episode of the show, Pinky Malinky, when he, he didn't want to use the eraser. So he goes around like very roundabout ways to prove that in fact it wasn't a mistake, right? That he's working on this math problem and he wants to erase it. But he doesn't want to use his eraser. So he's like, no, no, it's fine. I can. And then he just goes into this long, extensive math problem to try to make his answer correct. And that's what we do a lot of times, right? Is we will go through this very roundabout process to try to make it look like we didn't make the mistake rather than just admitting I made this mistake. And you can find your own reason, your own limiting belief as to why you don't want to admit that you made a mistake or you want to ignore your mistakes or why you think you only ever make mistakes. You know, this is all, it's all so personal. But like I said, I think investigating your relationship with mistakes is the first step. And I started this new show on Netflix called Louder Milk, Louder Milk. And it's fucking hilarious, by the way. Like, I did not, I I saw it pop up in my suggested shows a couple of weeks ago and I didn't want to watch it for whatever reason. I don't know. I think the name kind of put me off, but I didn't know what it was. So finally I clicked it, I watched it and it was fucking hilarious. And there's a quote, I wrote it down, I wrote it down because there's a scene. The basis is this guy is um, this like unconventional leader of an AA group, Alcoholics Anonymous. And He's an ex-alcoholic, right? But he's, he uses these unconventional ways to teach people. So one of the members of AA comes to him and tells him that he's been drinking. Or, you know, he finally gets it out of him that he's been drinking. And the kid who, the addict who just drank, is saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'll do better. And he's like, you know, I've been trying. And Louder Milk is the guy's name, the character's name, says try harder, you know, try harder. He's like, I know, I know. So Loudermilk says this, this is the quote. Life's about fucking things up. And the unfucking the things you fucked up, that's what makes you less of a fuck up. I'm gonna say it again. Life's about fucking things up. And the unfucking the things that you fucked up, that's what makes you less of a fuck up. And then the kid says, I know, I'll do better. And Loudermilk says, Well, just don't do worse. And that's the end of the scene. And I was like, that is so fucking profound. I recorded it and sent it to a friend and was like, this is actually the best life advice I have ever fucking gotten. Ever. Life's about fucking things up. It's the unfucking that makes you less of a fuck up. So you are going to to make mistakes. Mistakes are inevitable. Right? The perfectionism, perfectionism doesn't exist. Perfection does not exist. You're going to make mistakes. But it's how you handle it after. It's the unfucking that matters. And then I can't express to you the release of pressure that I felt when he says, well, just don't do worse. Because that's the thing, right? Is I think that I'm making things worse when I try to fix them. But realistically, I have proof. I I, I just was looking at this one big situation where I tried And things did not get better. They got worse. But that was just one instance, right? And I was clinging to that because that story confirmed my beliefs about perfectionism, confirmed my beliefs about fear, confirmed my beliefs that mistakes feel permanent. But they're not. 
right? And I had to look at how I was kind of misidentifying change as a mistake, right? Like I saw any change as a mistake and it's not, it's not. I'll give you another example. So last night I was thinking about moving my bedroom around, shifting my bedroom around. So I did, I moved one of the things from my bedroom into the closet. It's like a big nightstand basically. And I was telling my friend about it that like I kept wanting to move stuff around. We were going to move my bed and I moved it and I didn't like it. And I told her and I was frustrated and she was like, well, we can always just move it back. Like, let's just, let's just move it back. If you liked it the way it was before, we'll move it back. And I was like, wow, what a fucking concept, right? Right? Like everything feels so permanent. And that is, um, that's also a limiting belief, but also not true because change is constant, right? And I think a lot of times I, well, I fear being uncomfortable anyway, right? And a lot of times when I think of what I want, this this old storyline of my, or I guess it's a, a pattern of me saying what I want and other people telling me that's not what I want. My mom did that a lot, not to like shit on my mom, but she did that a lot when I was younger. And I would say, you know, this is what I want. I think I talked about this last week, that this is what I want. And she'd be like, no, 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 you don't want that. You don't want that. This is what you want. And it's like, no, okay, well, that's confusing for a couple of reasons because A, it makes me question everything I want. Like, is this really what I want? And then thinking that mistakes are permanent is like, okay, well, if it's not what you want, then that's it. It doesn't matter. You have to deal with the consequences of your fucking choices, right? Like it's so um, permanent and just like ominous. It feels foreboding, honestly, to think like I was, I I wanted to dye my hair. I wanted to change my hair, right? There's a big thing. I want something new, a fresh change. And I went into the store yesterday and before I was looking at hair dyes and I was talking to the lady that works there and I was like, I don't know, you know, I, I don't, I haven't changed my hair in like 13 years or something. And I used to dye my hair all the time, but I didn't want to. And I've gotten it back to its natural state. But, you know, I was, I was thinking about it, like, let's make a change. And as I'm looking at the hair dye that I want before I can even commit to a color, I was asking her how to undo it. And we're looking at like color removers. I'm asking her how much damage it would be, like what give me the least permanent thing, you know? And it's like, I was already, I caught myself. I was already planning to correct the mistake of dyeing my hair. And it went from this thing that was supposed to be fun. was supposed to be changed. Not really that fucking serious, but I take everything so seriously. Remember, that's one of the things I'm trying to work on right now is being less rigid. This, the, the, the hair dye experience was not one of those. <laughs> It was not one of those moments where I was less rigid. I was more rigid. It felt like I had like spikes all over me and I was, they were pointing inward, you know, like my, I felt pressure about it. I was like sweating when I'm in the shop and I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, this is supposed to be a fun experience. And you know what? I ended up getting something that was like a, 
a slow, it's like, it's called a color depositor and you like wash your hair with it. And the couple of times that you do it after a couple of times, then you start to see subtle changes. We're looking for stuff that's really subtle because I told them I was nervous about it. So like, all right, well, if you don't want anything too intense, you can do this. And then I recognized another sort of push pull energy with me is I I do want change, right? I wanted to make this big drastic change, but I was afraid of it. So they're like, all right, well, let's make a more subtle change. And I was like, I don't want that either. I don't want it to take time. You know what I mean? It's like, I want to almost just like get it over with because I'm too afraid. I don't know. I'm too afraid to commit to it, but I do want a big change. And I looked at that as a moment of, um, I guess like a good thing, I wanted to reframe it and look at the positive of like, okay, well, so you do want a big shift. You're just afraid of it, right? Like I do want, I was thinking about dyeing my hair red and I I had, I used to have so much red in my hair and I'm not afraid of it being bold. You know, they kept saying like, well, if you don't want anything bold. And I was like, no, I do want bold. Like that's the thing. I want to be bold. I'm just scared shitless of doing it. And I recognized the desire and we'll, we'll just start there, right? Like that's enough for today. For me. We got to do baby steps with this shit. The desire for drastic change was there. And I looked at that as a good thing, right? Like I do a lot of subtle shifts and maybe that's a healthier way. I don't know that like a crazy drastic change is the best thing, but sometimes it is, you know, like sometimes you do kind of need a shock to the system and I can't, oh, I don't want to say I can't, but kind of can't. I'm very limited um, in the scope of me being able to move and move states, move locations, move to a different area because I have a child with a man. I have a child with this man who lives here and legally, like we went to court, we did the custody arrangement. I can't legally leave the state with my child. So it would have to be like, it would be this whole big thing of custody and getting him to agree and, you know, figuring that out. So I get overwhelmed by that and don't even think about like, okay, well, so where would I want to live? Right? Like, and we get bogged down by, I think, choices or like trying to make the choice because there's so many steps in between. So I think there are times when you cannot make the big drastic change, right? That other things have to fall in line first. So I think just learning to do, to differentiate between um, having to make small, subtle changes versus making big changes and knowing when those moments are right. And I think the fear of it being a mistake I think is overwhelming for me to thinking about moving, right? Cause the bigger action that you take, if it's a mistake, it's that much harder to come back from. I guess that's kind of a, the, something that's limiting me too. Is like, it's easier to come back from a subtle mistake rather than like a big ass mistake. So if I just do little things, then I can kind of control. I, or I at least have the illusion that I can control things better. It would be easier to revert back to the old ways. It would be easier to correct that mistake. But you also lose the big impact of those big actions, right? Like what is no risk, no reward, right? Like you can't be afraid to make mistakes, big mistakes, because without 
the risk of a big mistake, you don't get the big reward. So, I mean, I still have to make sure that I'm, like, regulating my system enough to where I don't go into fucking shock with some of the big changes that I make. But I think that's the next step, too, is recognizing your fear of mistakes and what you're afraid of. Are you afraid of making big changes? Are you afraid of making big mistakes? And by the way, when I looked at it, I'll say, I'll use another example was like overspending. I wanted to go and do fun things. I wanted to use my money. And this is a whole nother podcast episode. I don't even want to go too far into it because honestly, I do kind of want to keep this episode short. I know I say that every week and then it's like an hour long. But I was thinking about spending money and wanting to have fun. Go to the movies with my kid, right? Not really that much. Going out to eat for like tacos. $15 for us to go out and eat, right? $20 with a tip. So still, it was under $50 for this whole day. And I felt anxiety about it because I was thinking, you know, what if I spend all this money and then I don't have money for my bills? What if I spend money on fun And then I don't have money to pay my bills. And it's like, all right, well, the idea that I go and overspend just because I'm spending money on something besides bills, that's a limiting belief. Like, that's a false belief. That's a, um, oh, God, I can't think of the exact name for it. But it's a limiting belief for me to think that spending any amount of money is going to put me in debt, right? And to invest in myself, that's another thing I've been working on is like, wow, you know, I was going to do this thing where it's like, okay, well, now from now on, I know because I do hold this belief that, and I tell people this, if you invest in yourself, you get it back tenfold. So I want to invest in myself and I was going to spend the money to do it. But then when it came down to it, I kept feeling like anything, spending money on anything besides bills is irresponsible. Right. And it felt like that was going to be a mistake of, you know, once you start spending, then I'm just going to go on this wild spending craze, which is so out of character. Like that is a fear that is not based in reality because I have never gone and just now have I spent too much money and be like, oh, I probably shouldn't have spent all that. Yes. But I don't go like shopping is not my um, my vice. Right. Eating is probably the thing that I feel like I have the least amount of self-control with. But with shopping and spending, it's not that's not where I get my dopamine hits from, you know. So I had to check in with that. And now, if you are that kind of person, it's each individual has to come to their own <laughs> um, limitations, right? And figure out where, they're, where they need to exert more responsibility versus, you know, having fun. But for me... That's not a big thing that I do. I don't usually overspend. So it was like, all right, well, let's see what happens if you do spend a little bit of money on fun. And I'll tell you what happened. Now, this I told you this was going to be a whole podcast episode, but this is the basis of it. What happened was I actually enjoyed my weekend (laughs) and felt, and this is not an overstatement, felt like, yeah, there's a reason to be alive, right? Like, The fun part of life, I had been robbing myself of the fun part of life. So, of course, I wake up with anxiety on a Saturday because I used Saturdays for, like, housework. And I reframed it as, like, this is my time with my son. I'm going to go and we're going to go to the movies. We're going to go 
get some tacos. We're going to spend our time together. And you know what happened for the first time in a long ass time? At the end of the day, I wanted the day to be longer. And that was, if you've ever suffered from depression, or especially I think about my time as a new mom, postpartum depression. And if you have experienced this, you can relate. I feel like anyone with kids can probably relate. There's that moment when you're looking at the clock and all you want is for it to be bedtime, right? You're like, if I can just make it to their bedtime, the day will be over and it'll be fine, right? You're just counting down the hours. And that's how it felt for a long time. And I recognized that that was a story that I was telling myself that I didn't want to be true anymore. I didn't want that to be my experience anymore. I wanted to enjoy my fucking life. And I did not just exist to like better myself and push and achieve, you know, the rigidity that I'm talking about wanting to work on. I wanted to loosen that up a little. And I was like, yeah, maybe the reason you don't like weekends is because it's the time when you shit on yourself the most. It's the time that you shame yourself the most. It's the time that rather than relaxing and enjoying your life like you're supposed to, you use that time in every second of every day to try to get better, to try to achieve, to try to do, to try to go. And I was like, let's just see. Let's just see what happens. We'll give it, don't even do a year experiment. You don't even have to make it a a six months or a 30-day experiment. One fucking day. Let's just see what happens. And I enjoyed myself. And at the end of the day, I thought, wow, I wish I had a couple more hours because there are still things that I want to do with my son. And like I said, if you've ever suffered from depression, you know that is such a huge fucking moment. Like that felt like a breakthrough. That felt like a breakthrough. And to enjoy my time without worrying that, you know, not even that I'm missing out on something, but that I'm like, I'm spinning my wheels for nothing because that's how it feels sometimes. It's back to that work-life balance thing, right? That I wanted to be able to figure out how like the, the push and pull. I wanted to be able to have fun and do fun things without completely forgetting about my goals. And that kind of, it kind of does tie back into that mistakes thing of like, you know, allowing myself to have space to waste a day. Or having space to get nothing accomplished in a day and not feeling like a fucking failure or shaming myself at the end of the day. Like, oh, you could have done more, you know, always, always pushing myself so that I don't fuck up. Because if I fuck things up, then it's only, it feels like it's the one domino that just knocks the rest of the fuck up dominoes down, you know. And it's like, one mistake, your whole life is ruined. That's how it felt. And I saw having fun as a mistake because it's like but what is the point of it like what are you accomplishing (laughs) right like what is this getting done but hello it's just it seems so silly when I when I thought about it and was like oh my god this is what people mean like when they say work hard play hard the reason you have to play hard is because it makes the work more bearable it makes your life more bearable which duh right? Obviously, I'm like, how crazy is it that when you do stuff that you like, you actually like your life? (laughs) What a concept, right? So I think, I think it does tie back in of like, okay, well, if I do have a day where I don't get things accomplished, that's a fuck up. And then I can't come back from that. Like, no, no. 
Life's about fucking things up, remember? It's the unfucking things that you fucked up that makes you less of a fuck up. So if I don't do something one day that I need to get accomplished, if I don't, and even if I, even if I don't have anything to accomplish, you know, because sometimes the idea that you have to accomplish something is not based in reality either. It's just a weird point of leverage that you're using to shame yourself or to make you feel like you had some self-worth, right? Like you're worthy of something because you achieved something. But if I take it day by day and I use that phrase, well, just don't do worse, (laughs) then I think I get the fresh start every day and I can do better every day, but it's not even that I have to do better every day. It's like, just don't do worse. If, if the, the worst thing that I do in a day is not accomplish something, right? Like, I think you're good. I think you're good if you don't like read a book every day about self-improvement or you don't, if I miss a day of yoga, if I miss a day of meditation, like it's fine. Allowing yourself space to make mistakes is the key and allowing yourself to forgive yourself for making mistakes. And by the way, not identifying, like I was saying, misidentifying change of any kind as a mistake. Change is not a mistake. It's just different. It's just different. It's not a mistake. That's what that needs to be one of my affirmations. It's not a mistake. It's just different. And that's okay. Because it's not permanent. It does not have to be permanent. Mistakes are not permanent. Right? So taking all of that, I think we need to work on our relationships. And I say we, I for sure. And if you experience this as well, we can work on our relationship with mistakes. And forgiving ourselves for when we fuck up. And then also recognizing when things are not actually a fuck up, right? Not over identifying everything as a mistake. So I hope that helps. I really do. And also this is my official recommendation to go watch Louder Milk. I'm only on like the fifth episode or something, but I have not laughed that hard in a really long time. And if you think I'm funny and you get my sense of humor, then you're going to love it because it's like right on my alley. It's kind of dark and like dark humor, very dry. It's, hilarious and um I'm like yeah I always have difficulty ending an episode so I just watch it I'm just gonna end it now but I love you guys so so much uh and I'll talk to you all soon bye